And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and a happy new year to you all as we enter 2023 with the first Red Side of Trent podcast of the year. And the year has got off to a fairly good start, I'd say, as the Reds drew 1-1 with Chelsea at the City Grand. I am going to say fairly good, as the weird thing is, actually a tad disappointed. We didn't beat a side who were kings of Europe a couple of years back and on another day could have definitely won the game. But it is a mark of how far we've come since this time last year when we were playing the likes of Huddersfield, for example. As always, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Christian Brown and Lee Clark, and we are going to jump straight into the game then yesterday. So, Forrest made two changes, as expected, Dean Anderson back in goal, and a big boost as Morgan Gibbs-White returned to the starting lineup. Unfortunately, no Jesse Lingard, who Cooper confirmed will be out for a month with a hamstring injury, which is a real shame with the run of games we've got coming and we are starting to pick up a few injuries now as well. Was you happy with the team, Adam, or is it anything you'd have done differently yesterday from the off? No, I think when you look at our bench, you kind of looked at it and go, who can change the game, to be honest? It, it looked fairly fairly weak in, in comparison to Chelsea's when you're bringing on about £100 million worth of players or more or whatever when they bought on what, Aubameyang, Ziyech, Kovacic, and yeah. God knows who else, Conor Gallagher obviously come through the academy. It's a, it's a wealth of talent there for them. And we're bringing on the likes of, no no, no disrespect to Jack Cole back in Sam because they were brilliant in the championship for us, but that's the difference, isn't it? But yeah. brilliant to see Morgan Gibbs-White yesterday. He, he, he put a shift in. You can just see what of a difference he makes because he leads the line so well in terms of the press when we got it right in the second half. So fairly happy with that. And obviously... Henderson back in goal, couldn't really do much about the, the goal. When when I did look back at it, I was quite critical, to be honest, of him and Lodi's reaction to it, as we'll probably get into, but couldn't really fault it. Couldn't I didn't, didn't There was nothing really that Cooper could have done differently, in, in all honesty. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, for me, the first 15 minutes they were pretty even. I mean, I'm not sure how Koulibaly escaped the yellow card in that period, um, but we're not going to talk about the referee, I don't think. <laughs> I think he pissed everybody off yesterday, uh, apart from the Chelsea fans. Um, I do always say that if the stewards come on at half-time and escort the referee to the tunnel, then he's had a bit of a nightmare. Um, but we did create one good chance in the opening 15 minutes. Ball over the top for Morgan Gibbs-White. Johnson running through and forcing a save from Kepper. What did you make of that opportunity as a whole, Christian? Could he have done any better? Um, I think maybe he pulls his shot like slightly early, I think, which maybe tries to catch the keeper out, but obviously, you know, he doesn't really have the power or conviction to really do that. But it was a really good move. I mean, it was weird because I'm sure we'll get onto it a bit more in due course. I felt we were quite passive in the first half, but we still created the best chances of the half. And that was it. I mean, you know, a simple ball over the top. And Johnson like leaves both Silver and Cooley Bay for dead, just runs in on goal. But um I don't know that sort of highlights for me, maybe Johnson isn't quite as I think the Johnson maybe from last season probably fared a bit better in that situation. He looked like he rushed it a bit. So maybe he's feeling a bit underconfident for whatever reason or I don't know what. But um yeah, it, it was good play from for it's like I mean like we said, after the United game, the difference Gibbs White makes is just phenomenal because, you know, you see, like you take about the, the side and you see how much creativity evaporates and you put him back in and suddenly, like, we're looking to probe forward again. And he makes a huge, huge difference. And, um, but yeah, it was good. I mean, obviously we liked to see it got in, but I always felt that when Johnson was coming in on his left foot, we'd had less likely chance to score anyway because that is his weaker foot anyway. But, um, yeah, I guess... It was it is what it is, I suppose. I mean, on another day he could have scored it. On another day, maybe Kepa could have caught it, who knows? So it worked out as it worked out. Yeah, on Sky, to be fair, Jamie Carragher did actually praise Kepa saying it would have been very easy for him to come rushing out when Johnson was running through because it was Cucurello who went by, didn't he? And he said he mm. actually was quite good in that moment, Kepa, that he actually just stood his ground really and yeah, it was a save, pretty comfortable save for him, wasn't it? Um, a minute later, though, after that 15 minutes, um, the first goal of the game did come. I mean, I thought it was Havertz in the ground, as I said, just before we started the pod, but it was actually Bolly's flick onto his own bar. And then it was turned in by Raheem Sterling from a few yards out. Um, I mean, I, f- I thought that was so unlucky, personally. Um, but what do you think we could have done better in that moment, Lee, as the move as a whole? Well, I mean, the ball to, I think it was to Pulisic, wasn't it, down the mm. left-hand side? It, it just, those sorts of situations, I think opposition teams just, it, it's all a bit too easy for them. Um, and I think that kind of, um, I thought the first half we showed them too much respect anyway, and I think that kind of epitomised that. Um, Pulisic seemed to have just far too much time. Um, but, it, I mean, it was a it was a, a rare moment yesterday that, that that happened. So, I suppose we are we are learning. Um, but at the same time, it's that's the Premier League. That like, it's a tough school, isn't it? What just one moment is all it takes for for these good sides to to kind of pick you off and and go in front. But yeah, I thought we another pleasing aspect of it was that we didn't capitulate. We we kind of stood firm and and stayed in the game, and and in the end, we got a, our just rewards. Really, yeah. I mean, 
as I mean, we said, didn't we, in the group that maybe Joe Warwick can probably stop that cross coming in. Um, as you said, Lee Pulisic's got a bit too much time, Ante, and but it, it was rather unfortunate. I mean, you just knew if that happened to us, that I'd either hit the bar and go over, or it'd hit the bar and just ping off to the side of where our striker was, but it literally fell at the feet of Raheem Sterling, and even he couldn't miss that. So, I mean, I think after that, for me personally, I thought Chelsea just slowed the game down a bit, has got ahead, and it kind of quietened the crowd, uh, kept us at half an arm's length till half time. We didn't really show much aggression, as Cooper said in the um, post match. But second half, that completely changed, and it started with another Morgan Gibbs white ball, Johnson away again, and again, Kepper being forced into a save. Um, he did have an option. It did seem to square to a one-year. You know, just a word on him. I thought, again, he ran himself into the ground yesterday. That move being a prime example. Um, we spoke about in the last pod, didn't we? About us playing balls into the channels for one-year to chase, which he did yesterday. And he gave Kula Bali a torrid time, I thought. I mean, people have been raving about Kula Bali in Serie A for Napoli, but he, he was really struggled yesterday, I thought. I mean, should Johnson square to Adam? Or has he got a right to go alone there, being a four with maybe a possibility of the Rolls-Royce that is Thiago Silva cutting it out? I mean, I I was screaming for him to square it because I saw when he sprinting through. And I mean, people say that when they look at the pic, when they like freeze frame the, the image, if if Johnson squares it, does Kepa smother the ball or and or does a one need like does the ball go past the one knee before he even gets there? For me, a a, a better a, a good professional player lays it on a plate for him to have a tap in, in my honest opinion. But I mean, if Johnson scores, you go brilliant. It's 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 it's, it's great. But because he he saved it and a one knee was probably was quite free. You go, it was the wrong decision. And decision making has been a massive issue this season in, 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 in all games, not just the ones that we've even won because we just make crap errors. And, and as Christian said before, we give teams an inch and they take a mile. I mean, we can't really afford to, to give up those sort of opportunities in my honest opinion, but it was a good save by Kepper, but John Johnson should do better in terms of, of getting his head up a bit. He's he's been guilty of that quite a few times this season, in, in all honesty. I don't know if that's because he's just hunting for that that one bit of moment of magic to give him a boost or what. I don't know. But it for me it was it was poor. But I wonder he ran himself into the ground. He was brilliant yesterday. I'm sure we'll get on to his, his overall performance, but it was probably his best game, I'd say, just touching on that. Yes, something Cooper did say um, post-match on Radio Nottingham was he encourages the players to make positive mistakes, was his word. Now, I think if Johnson would have tried to thread that through to Wanya and Silver would have cut it out, would people have said, oh, he should have really shot there? I think. Yeah, it's, most... it's kind of like, it's like lose-lose, isn't it? Yeah, I think most people would say, oh, look, fair enough, he's gone for the you know, a tap-in, which I thought the angle was a bit tight for a shot. I mean, again, it was... A pretty comfortable save, I thought, for Kepa. I mean, this is something Lee said about a few pods ago about enjoying players, you know, at this level. And I just have to mention Thiago Silva. I couldn't believe he was 38. I didn't think he was that old. I thought he was like 36, maybe. But, I mean, he literally didn't break a sweat, did he, yesterday? Um, that's the world-class players you see in action. Um, Rolls-Royce Rolls was... Rolls-Royce, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was looking He was brilliant. At, yeah, he was looking at all these other defenders like, you know, I'm playing at this level and you guys are, you know, getting run ragged on the right side. Um, 
yeah, but anyway, moving on from that Brazilian love then, um, we then put together the move of the match without doubt. And to be fair, I'd argue probably the best bit of play this season um, from us. I mean, Morgan gives White started it off. Great feet then from Johnson, then an excellent pullback from Yates. And Morgan gives White crashes a strike against a crossbar, which he just literally couldn't have hit any sweeter. I mean, what did you make of that bit of play, Christian? And when it that did hit the bar, did you feel it wasn't going to be our day? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like 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 we said with the um the Chelsea goal, like I've been saying at the time, like when that flicked off off the bar for Sterling, if you you've got a feeling if that was us, it would have flicked off the bar and gone behind for a corner. And likewise with that shot from Gibbs White, I mean, Gibbs White can't hit that any better. The technique for that is sensational, and um. Yeah, it was a great bit of play. It was a really good move. And the best sort of compliment I can sort of give our second half performance was that it didn't feel like... It felt like we were watching something from last season, just with better players. So, like, you know, it felt like one of those moments where everything had fallen into place. Even even for brief spells in the game, it just felt like, you know, this is, this is proper. Like, this is, actually, this is a solid team. This is a team that knows their positions. It knows their roles. It knows what it's doing. They're all singing off the same hymn sheet. And we haven't obviously had that very often this season. We've had it with like, you know, bits and bobs here and there, but not a consistent run, I would say. Um, that second half was brilliant and that move sort of epitomised it really. I mean, you know, we, um, I guess it's a saying, you make your own luck in football, but we must be bloody unlucky to to have that and the, and the goal. So um, hopefully um, we can sort of start, because we've, I think obviously it's the first time in seven games, I think we've come back from a goal down. So, um Maybe it can start to change somewhat because you know you do make your own luck in football, but you know it'd be nice to see some of these rare instances like go our way because it would have been very easy at that point just write it off as it's not our day, like especially when it like Canlas like, down the other side of the bar and doesn't go in, like it's like that bloody thing from Mike Bassett, isn't it? The ball goes one way, you're a winner, it goes the other, and well, that's it. <laughs> By margins, the former manager used yeah. to say. How many times do we say that? I mean, something that is good, though, is um, we've now six unbeaten at home. So it does mm. seem like we've sorted the home format, which I think, like you say there, Christian, with the performances, I mean, that is true as well. It's just that away form. Yeah, um, we've played some but, good teams now. You have to remember, we've played Liverpool, yeah. we've played Chelsea, we've played yeah. Spurs, mm. we've played, you know, obviously Palace. Everyone's hit them, yeah. them for Europe this season. You know, you have Brentford, who obviously, you know, Okay, very reliant on one player in Tony, but again, they upset the apple cart last season. So, mm. and can't remember who else I've seen. Was it uh, Villa, wasn't it? Yeah, Villa, who've yeah. now won a, pulled a few games together out the yeah. bag and beaten what United, Spurs, and Brighton, mm. and have now suddenly pulled themselves way out of trouble. So, think... you know, we've played some good teams in that run and more than held our own. So, it's just a case of replicating that on the road now. I think at this level, there's just no poor sides. There'll be teams who are like poorer than others, you know, of course, but I don't think there's anyone who's like really poor. Um, I mean, it shows you that really that Burnley's gone down and they're, they're flying at the top of the championship, for example. Mm. Um, that's pretty, The gap has, I think, got a lot bigger nowadays. Um, but we did finally make a breakthrough. They're on 63 minutes. Morgan gives White again and mentioned his lame a lot, which is brilliant. Corner into, I'd say, a good area. Um, Chelsea then just don't clear the lines and Willy Bolly recycles it. It falls to Serge Aurier, who actually takes it really well on the chest and with a composed finish levels of the game. I mean, Carragher was waxing lyrical about that um, finish on the uh, Sky Sports commentary. Uh, was that deserved, Lee? And nice to see Aurier scoring, having done so well for us. 
Yeah, it was absolutely deserved. Um, I mean, I, th- I think everyone was kind of just preparing their uh, pitchforks for Johnson, weren't they? Because I think if if we'd not got anything out of that game yesterday, I mean, to quote one of my mates, he was finished with him. He was he was <laughs> adamant that he should never wear the shirt again. Um, but no, I, as extreme as that was, I think it would have been one of those sort of days where um, just I don't want to go back too much to the Johnson thing, but I just I watched Man City Leeds the other night, and and Jack Grealish got absolute pelters. Uh, from the Leeds fans, as he always does around the country. Um, you look at what he did, He would when he went through against Leeds, he would have liked nothing more than to just side-foot it past Melier and, and, you know, cup his ears in front of the, you know, the Leeds, the Leeds fans. But he didn't. He saw Haaland in a better position. He flipped him the ball and the team scored a goal. I think in that situation at 1-0 down, if you're 2 or 3-0 up in a game and it's the championship uh, where you, you typically get three or four uh, let-offs in a game, by all means, have a shot, have a go. But at 1-0 down to Chelsea, when you've finally got Silver, got in behind Silver, who, as we've already discussed, is an absolute Rolls-Royce of a defender, you, ju- you just put it on a plate for him. Um, I think Johnson would be wise to kind of look at players like Grealish and, and look at what they're doing, because essentially, in the role he plays in our team, Johnson, I suppose, is trying to be kind of what Grealish is for City, I guess. So... Um, yeah, obviously, I've digressed massively there. Can I just uh, but yeah, add the... something very quickly? Sorry. I think it's testament to how bad that was that Taiwo won he? Probably one of the most mild-mannered players we've ever seen. Mm. You know, you look at him off the pitch with his, with his like, business degree. He seems like a very, like, <laughs> well-brought-up individual. Like, he seems like just a thoroughly nice man. And he went fucking ballistic at Johnson when he didn't put the ball across. He was, he was screaming at him. And, like... I think it was something that everyone could resonate with, like everyone who's actually played football to some degree, even at like fucking non-league level or Sunday league level or six aside. Because at that point, like, you know, we all stress the importance of team spirit and individual and whatever else and like, you know, keep it together and that sort of thing. But in that instance, like, I'd, if that was me on a Sunday, I'd have fucking lost my rag completely. And to see a Premier League footballer as part of managers that want to do exactly the same thing, I think that says everything. Like, I, I mean... I've seen a few people say like, oh, you know, trying to defend Johnson, saying that, oh, he should have, you know, he had a right to go to go. No, he didn't. He delayed his pass. He got greedy. He missed. That's it. And the the longer it went on, the more, you know, the the more chance Kepa had of saving it because the more the angle went against him. It was selfish play. It was something that his dad hammered grabbed for last season. And he's done the exact same thing. Like, if we're going to hold one to that standard, you have to hold the other. I'd drop him for that alone. I'm not even joking because that's cost us two points. The way I see it. I must admit, I mean, David Johnson must be sat in the stands. Ever since he put that tweet on about grabbing, <laughs> not squaring it at Reading, Johnson's done it about four or five times. He must he be did sat it twice there going, last week he... against Flatburn. And yeah. he, this is the point. Like, surely, some, I get Cooper saying, oh, we need to make positive mistakes. You would say to him after that Blackburn game, look, twice now you could have pulled it. We've got away with it because we're playing a crap team. You can't mm. do that against a better side. We play one of the best teams in the country, does it again. When's the message going to get through? You pass the ball to someone in a better position to you. I get he's 21, he's going to be inconsistent to make mistakes, but for fuck's sake, this is just like basic bars of football and so much relies on us making the right decisions. And I think, I think not to lead to his defence too much, but I think the reason we kind of, we go a little bit berserk when he does make the wrong decision is that we know how good he can be. Yeah, um, that's it. Like, we that, that's exactly. the problem. I think it is, I don't think anyone who's slagging him off for that yesterday, me included, I don't think anyone's saying that he should never play for us again. But yeah, it is the sort of thing that if we'd not taken anything from that game yesterday, I, I still think it would be interesting to see if he plays on Tuesday, to be fair. But I, I think John, I think Cooper will play him. Um, 
But just to finish with your original question, Reese, I suppose, um, it was actually a rare situation where we didn't have a particularly great view of the goal in the Trent end. Um, it all just seemed to happen and it was a bit of a scramble and then the next minute um, where you guys are sat at the other end are celebrating. So, um, yeah, it was looking back at it, it was a great finish and we did well to get it down from there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know you didn't want to talk about the ref, but I'm just going to mention him very quickly. I actually thought the ref helped us yesterday. Now, hear me out. Um, I know what you're going to say. The atmosphere Excuse was shocking. Yeah. I, thought the, I thought the atmosphere was shocking yesterday. I thought it was really, really bad. Yeah, and I thought they the scored, fact, it was. I thought that the fact that the referee made some absolute honking decisions, the what the tackle by Froiler is an absolute joke. That That's the worst decision I've ever seen. <laughs> and and bear in mind... by a GBH call, yeah. My referee can be sometimes take me to places like Allsworth Villa and places like that, but that is the worst decision <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, the decision not to book... Um, Kulibaly in the first half, shocking decision again. But I actually thought the the fact he kept making decision after decision, it kind of roused the stands and it kind of got everyone back behind the team again. So um, I must admit, I, when we scored, I still expected that they'd find something. Um, anyone who tries to tell me there's not a top six bias can literally get in the bin now. Having played Man United and Chelsea back to back, there is a massive top six bias. And you know what? Why wouldn't there be? Th- these referees have to go and ref these teams all the time. It's it's kind of understandable that they're going to look at they're not going to want to piss off the top managers at, at the top clubs, so um, yeah, I actually thought he, he helped the atmosphere yesterday with his uh, ineptness, shall we on, say? On the replay, yeah. on the replay of the goal, I thought um, I'm not sure if it was Jorginho or someone else in there when, who Bolly's challenging. I thought he was going to go down and like hold his face or whatever because he looked like he'd like. Got a bit of a an arm in the in 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 his head, and I was like, "It's gonna get ruled out, isn't it?" Just because it's just, <laughs> I genuinely nah, thought when I seen it, and I was like, "Thank God it's not." It's like, "Thank nah, God it's some sense." I mean, if they have if they have ruled that, I think could have been a riot. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> there was nothing. My body just rose <clears> the highest. Um, <throat> yeah, that's Tom had said the same as you, Lee, on um, Twitter. Said basically, the refs' incompetence absolutely got the crowd up, which is very fair. I mean, for example, Koulibaly, like I said in the group last night, if that's an hour in the game, it gets booked. But because it was, what was it, five or ten minutes, the ref's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you off this one. But the thing is, um, if that's, let's say if that's, I don't know, if that's Bolly on Havertz in minute yeah. one of the game, the yellow yeah. card straight yeah. out. Yeah, that's what it is. That. It's just the consistency in it, and mm. it's frustrating. Um I, I actually don't have a pro- I don't have a problem with referees choosing not to use cards. I think that's what we're trying to encourage. But that one is not even that one is one of those that at any level of football. I'm not being funny. If that if that happens in an under thirteens game, I'm chucking a yellow card up his nose. It's just easy. It's he just a straightforward. It's the most blatant yellow yeah. card offence yeah. I think we saw yeah. all game yesterday. No intention of playing the ball at all. Yeah, it's just so bad, and it's like. I get it. With some situations, five, ten minutes in, you might choose to have a word and you'll be praised for that because, you know, it might not be the sort of challenge. But that is literally what we call taking one for the team. You've, he's basically just took a yellow card to stop a counter-attack. Yeah. And he's given him a little bit of a ticking off. And then I just got the impression that Yates's yellow card was a yellow card, but he couldn't wait to do it. It's just mm-hmm. the, the yellow card's out before he's even made the, the challenge. Um, the, the lack of inconsistency is excruciating at times at this level, I find. 
Again, I'm going back to like the start of the question. I mean, Jamie Carragher mentioned about the bodies in the box. So I go, that's probably why you couldn't see it, Lee. I mean, he, to be fair, listening to the commentary, it was like Martin Tyler had a massive bet on Chelsea and Carragher wanted Forrest to actually get a point. He was really <laughs> yeah, miserable, miserable and Tyler, in. yeah. And Carragher was like really... Yeah, Carragher's really eccentric, <laughs> to be fair to him. I am going to go back to the original point because <laughs> uh, that's been a quite a big discussion and play devil's advocate a little bit. So, obviously, with Johnson passing to Tyro, do you think we all kind of know that Tyro isn't the cleanest striker of a football? Do you think that goes into Brennan's head that if he squares that, he, he believes that Tyro might scuff it? I mean, if that's the case, we've got much bigger issues than we realise. Because about, he's a seven, above, above all else, like he's a £17 million striker. He scored 10-plus yeah. goals in the top league last season, which John's like only he's, just playing into. If he's got he's, that into his head, he's not going to pass because of that, then we'll go down. Because yeah. then that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, just, I do like playing devil's like cricket a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think the yeah, point there is... He should have definitely passed. My point on that as well is... If he passes and Tyro scuffs it and puts it in row Z, Johnson's done everything right. You can't yeah, do anything okay. else. Yes, Tyro takes the flag then. Um, mm. why, why would you not pass it? Why, on that basis, what I've just said there, in my in my head, I'm thinking, I'll do the easy thing. I'll just pass him the ball and make him do the, the hard bit of sticking it in the net. Um, but yeah, I agree with Christian. If, if, that's the, if that is why he's shot, then we will get relegated this season because if, you, if your teammates aren't trusting you, £17 million centre-forward, to stick a ball in the net from there, then there's a there's a big problem, isn't there? The thing is, like you say, Lee, um, you know, we all on this pod, we all really like Brennan Johnson. It's like we're as if we're bashing him a little bit in this moment. I mean, the biggest compliment I'll give him is when he breaks away Brennan Johnson, you're on edge of your seat because you can see something happening. And it's just a shame. He just hasn't probably made the right decision in that moment, really. Um, to be fair, it's not just this. I mean, I try to defend him as best I can. His final ball has been regularly bad all season. Mm. I think out of, all the, out of all the players that we have come up with in championship, including the ones we've bought, like Toffolo and O'Brien, etc., I would say that with, on a consistent basis, Johnson's struggled arguably the most. Because you get times where he is electric. Like, he played well yesterday on the whole. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he occupied space well. He got a Kukurea quite a lot. You know, he, um, apart from Silver, obviously, can, no one can get past. But he actually played on a balance and played pretty well. It's just uh, in key moments when the ball's at his foot as, the final, as a final action, He's consistently let us down at the minute. Uh, I don't know why, whether that's a step up. I don't know whether that's a confidence issue. I don't know what it is, but it keeps happening. And, you know, that well, you asked me before in the pub, like, if we went down, do you reckon anyone buys Johnson? I don't think they do. On what we've seen so far this season, I genuinely don't think they do. Even like long term wise, like Brentford, I think they'll look at his season and think, okay, yeah, he's not ready. He needs another year in a championship or something. I think uh, the problem, not a problem, but as well for like, so I do feel a little bit sorry for Johnson. Is like last season when he was tearing the championship up, you literally had like people on Twitter saying, Oh, why isn't he being selected for England? That you know, and now people are seeing how big that level is from championship to Premier League. You know, everyone was a Wales fan, what was it, six months ago? They got absolutely obliterated at the World Cup. You know, that's the level people I don't think some people really see because they're not probably watching the Premier League on a regular basis when Forrest went in and how higher that level is you have to be to play at that but um, yeah if if he can make like we say if he can make start making the right decision he's you know when he gets away you're literally like I said on edge of your seat because you can see something happening but yeah we'll move on anyway from that I mean I mean me personally I thought after the, well, after the game 
somewhat petered out a little, I thought. I mean, Chelsea did have a couple of good balls into our box, but literally Anderson didn't have a save of note to make all game. They only had two shots on target, um, as seen in Potter's interview, which, you know, it, to be fair to Graham Potter, he was really honest and said they didn't deserve anything more than a point, which is nice um, from the usual Klopp blaming everything apart from the performance. I mean, on the basis of the game, Adam, and being at home, was that a point gained or possibly two dropped? Difficult to say, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, you're playing a team who, as you mentioned, won the European Champions League two seasons yeah. ago. It's and they've got a team probably worth what a billion pounds, you'd say, maybe. You didn't have to look at their subs yesterday. Um, yeah. So they brought on two subs who played in the semi-finals of the World Cup two yeah, weeks ago. I mean, you know I what mean, I mean? I mean, we we they made all five of their changes, and mm. and you could see the energy it gave them because at the end of the at, towards the end of the game, they they almost nicked it undeservedly. I mean, it's yeah. it's good pressure from either Warhol or Bali on 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 Abamyang from a good great ball from ZH to be fair to him, but so it's kind of like one of them. We we press so much. To the seven till to the seventieth seventy fifth minute or whatever to to get ourselves a foothold in the game and and have a possible chance of winning it, but if you're gonna go like that for the whole forty five minutes of the second half, Chelsea would just pick us apart because I mean Thiago Silva yesterday, as we've all mentioned, he was like quarterback yesterday. He was just picking his pass every time. He looked so chill. It was unbelievable. Whereas like Koulibaly, Kukurea, and Asfilakwaya looked like they handing a hot potato at some time. So it's it's one of them where. I think on the on the on in hindsight, you think it's it's it was clever. It was good that we didn't go completely for it, and when we got we took our point from a losing position, which is good. And in, in another in another realm, you think we we had, we had, we had missed opportunities like like as we've all mentioned heavily on this podcast about Johnson not squaring it to a one knee. Obviously, Gibbs White hitting the crossbar. Um, Etc. So, and then like little half chances where the ball wasn't quite cut back or we miskicked it. I mean, I wouldn't he did that a few times where he tried to take a snapshot, but it, it was a good point. I think at the end of the day, it is a point gained in, in when you're in the relegation battle against the top six side, as you want to call it, maybe a top seven now when Newcastle's thrown into the hat these days. <laughs> The big seven, hey. I know yeah, it's going to be a big, it'll be a big like 20 at some point. It'll yeah, be, like, it'll be well. stupid, won't it? Yeah, it was it was Ore who just like nudged Abamyang at the back post. Um, I can't remember who it was. To be yeah, honest. Um, he he was magnificent yesterday. Yeah, he's, it's just that experience and tip with that. You know, that was something I will give credit to Ryan Yates yesterday. There was times when Chelsea were just going down and winning that niggly foul, and that's what I thought Yates was good at doing second half, just winning niggly foul on that edge of our own box when we're under a little bit of pressure, just going down. I know it. People say, "Oh, it's cheating," blah blah blah. Everyone. You know, every fucker does it. You I don't. Know, I don't. Like, I don't know if we'll touch on this. Join them. I'm not sure if we'll touch on this, but you have to give credit to Ryan Yates yesterday for his maturity. For when he got that yellow card, yeah. there was times where you think, "Go on, then, just go, just go and go and win the ball." But he he thought better of it because he thought if he gets this wrong, he's off. Yeah, agree. Uh, and I and I thought he was brilliant because he still managed to still do his job in terms of intercepting the ball and breaking up play on a yellow card. It, it was a mature performance from him. Yeah, I mean, it was something I said last year where he's like a bit like become like a Samba So kind of player. And I saw that yesterday, he was literally hassling up Chelsea's players' backsides. The only little criticism is I just thought the, the yellow was a bit silly because he, he just yanked him down and I just thought, you know, let him go there. And then, like you said then, Adam, it kind of stops his game, what he's really good at of hassling and just getting himself stuck in and 
um, about and that. I mean, when that ball come in, touching back on that chance, and my heart was in my mouth, I thought Aubameyang was just going to literally get at the slightest glance and flick that in. Um, but thankfully, um, we managed to get the point. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese spelled R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. Right, we're just going to move on now to a couple of mentions on player performances. Um, Ren and Lottie, Christian, a couple of games before the break, looked really good. Um, United away, I think it's fair to say set pieces overall weren't the best. They're the goal, dislike goal aside. You were singing his praises in our group chat yesterday against Chelsea. What did you What did you feel was good about his performance yesterday? Everything. Like, I mean, the, from, a, from an offensive standpoint, everything he did was superb. Like, I think... Um, the fact is that I mean we we have something we haven't actually mentioned yet. So aside from the goal, where Pulisic, I mean that was on the other side really with Pulisic, but yeah. we didn't have Kai Havertz may as well not been in the pitch yesterday. Uh, um, the fact he was dropping so deep to try and get on the ball and still being bypassed obviously tells you a lot about Chelsea's current issues at the minute um, because the centre backs had nothing to do. They're like, all right, you go over there, we ain't going to track you, and the ball still wasn't coming to him. Um, but Sterling, apart from the the goal, which you know slice of luck, whatever. Sterling was completely in Lolly's pocket. Like he didn't do anything. And every single time the ball and even when ZH came on, it was exactly the same. Like every time the ball came out, Lolly was he, the way he reads the game is so good. He, he intercepts the ball before it even gets to the wing. He just times his run and just goes. And that's it. He was such a good outlet down the wing yesterday. Uh, he was getting the ball forward brilliantly. He was getting forward himself brilliantly. Okay, his crossing sometimes, you know, wasn't quite on the mark, but, you know, you can at least appreciate the endeavour to try and get us up the pitch and to try and put the ball to dangerous areas to get us scoring goals. And, like, honestly, the, I mean, I obviously, um, you know, you think back some of the, the somewhat, I mean, they were laughable at the time, the comments about Lodi and how, like, Soft Lowe's is much better player. I mean, they're absolute fucking bollocks. And the last few games have just completely, like, disproved any notion. Anyone who says that needs to, like, the men in white coats to come and take him away at this stage because <laughs> what we saw yesterday from Renaldi was a thirty million pound player performing, and the vast apparent defeat in, in his claws. If he plays like that consistently, then pay it because he is that was top draw. He was absolutely brilliant yesterday. That was a performance you'd expect from Brazilian international left back who's played regularly at the highest level for a number of years, including the Champions League as recently as last year when he was getting man of the match performances in last sixteen rounds. 
no, he's a very, very good player. We're lucky to have him. And he's only going to get better than what we've seen so far. Yeah, it was nice to see what he actually is. And that was a proper wing-back yesterday. He was literally mm. second half. He was bombing up and down that line. And like you said, Christian, which is a very good point, the amount of interceptions he read just to take it off before the winger got there. I mean, it showed because Aspilagueta got booked second half. Koulibaly was really struggling on that side. I thought we really punished that right side of Chelsea's second half. Um, I don't know if that was something we targeted, but yeah, um, hopefully he can just um, keep performing like that. And being that proper wing-back, because he's, for most of his Forest career, been penned in and a wing-backs, as we've said before, strengths are going forward. So hopefully he can, with the run of games we've got, can we can see some more of Roddy and maybe just improve that final ball a little bit as like you said yesterday got into some great positions it just wasn't quite there but yeah he was really good yesterday Laddie. Um, I've got to mention this guy Lee because we've already spoke about him a lot already in my pieces on this one. Morgan Gibbs-White what have you made of his forest career so far and I mean how good can he go or well, how far can he go and how good can he get for Forrest well, I mean, he's always going to have that price tag hanging over his head, isn't he? I mean, that's our fans for you. I mean, I'm not mentioning the two words, but there was one, our last club record signing was constantly kind of tarnished with having that on his head. Um, but what I would say is Morgan Gibbs-White looks like someone who's going to thrive on that, um, which is good. Um, everything, he just gets better with every game. He's just, he's everything that I thought he would be, to be fair. I mean, you, you could say he could... I think in his own mind, he'll want to register more goals and assists, but it's certainly not for a lack of trying with him. Um, he's just... I actually think he'll play for England. Um, I, I rate him that highly. I think he will. Um, Cooper rates him. He was Cooper's number one target and he, he's just... He's incredible. Everything he does, it's just effortless. Um, I've spoke in great depth on this podcast about players having belief. Well, all they need to do is look towards Morgan Gibbs-White in the dressing room for how to show belief. And he's just fearless. It doesn't matter who we're playing. He'll try the same stuff. And he just looks like an elite player, I think. Um, or should I say someone who's going to be an elite player? He just The little touches, the little flicks. Um, clearly looks after himself, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, he's just... I think he's quickly becoming everyone's favourite player and, and deservedly so. I mean, you look at yesterday, I mean, he, he created Johnson's two chances. He obviously took the corner for what we scored the goal from. He started and then very nearly finished the move where he hit the bar. Uh, you know, he, he is progressing nicely. I think the problem, I, I'm not going to mention his name, but when we, you're in the championship and you're signing a player 13 million, it is a lot of money. Whereas in the Premier League, 25 million was the initial fee. It's, pro it's probably a standard fee now in the Premier League, the sad thing is to say. I think it's only Wolves fans really who are asked about that price tag. I think Forest fans aren't really bothered. I mean, Wolves, I've seen Wolves fans on Twitter still trying to kind of make themselves believe that he's not very good when he he, he really is. Um, I, I, I do I do agree with that sentiment, but I think I think some of some of our fan base are very they think 25 million because I get the impression that some of our fan base literally only watch Forest. They only they don't watch mm. any other football. They don't probably really... true to be fair. Yeah, and I just think they they'll look at the initial payment of twenty five million and think, oh, we should be doing more in the way of goals and assists for twenty five mm. million. Um, obviously, like I've said before, I I don't for one minute think they're going to get the forty two and a half million. I, I think he has to win Wimbledon for that, so it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, um, 
yeah, you're right. I think um, with with Carvalho, obviously, it was he didn't do enough for thirty million, did he? Let's face it, as mm. much as as much as we all liked him. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Into twenty five million is just a drop in the ocean into in the Premier League. The the problem with Forest is we've been that far behind the times. I mean, we didn't break his record, did we? Until we signed Brit, I think from. Van Oydonk, that was like, what was that, like a 15-year difference? And obviously now we've made that step up finally into the Prem. You know, the Premier League figures are absolutely mental. So that, that that's it. Um, I want you to all come in on this one. Um, just a brief one, this. Um, just a simple man of the match from you all. Start with you, Adam. Difficult one. I think, well, I wouldn't have got it in the stadium. I thought he was fairly... Brilliant, to be honest. I mean, I don't know what he's done over the break, but his dribbling, his touch. Um, I mean, his 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 technique for shooting still is like to be seen. I mean, he he finished well at Blackburn, obviously, as we all saw. But the um, he he seems to have like really like come into his own in the last couple of games. I, I feel he he's really like got his man. It's weird him playing left like this wide left strike. I still don't quite like that in the second half when he got touched tight. Like with his with where he could feel for Koulibaly, he really like gave him a torrid time. Obviously, I'd, I wouldn't dare go on Thiago Silva. The, the bloke's just a joke. So I, I just thought like this, it's a recipe that we can hopefully go in on in the future. But I think without Gibbs White yesterday, I thought we we don't really get anything out of the game. He picked the ball up in so many nice pockets of space where he could turn and. He, he put a few nutmegs in there and, and he was just, he's such a classy player to me. He's, he just oozes confidence. And then I was going to make a point during while Lee was waxing lyrical about Gibbs White is you saw Mason Mount, who's Gareth Southgate's love child, as it is proclaimed <laughs> in the in the media. And I don't know if it's because Mason Mount plays for us a, a team where they've got a lot better players from one to 11 but Gibbs White's miles ahead of him in terms of ability, in my opinion. That's just how, that's just my opinion. I don't know. That's not me being biased. I just think he's more athletic. He's faster. He's got two better feet, better technique, in my opinion. And he's bloody gorgeous, as his missus always says. So you know, <laughs> um, I didn't. I did enjoy his getting stuck into Mason Mount yesterday. There was a couple of challenges he didn't like, and I think at one point he absolutely sived one of our players down because he got the red missus descended. Uh, I mean, Re- Remo Freuler put a great tackle in on Mason Mount. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was wonderful to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christian, what about you? Uh, obviously, like I said, I think we I think Ty was a good shout. I mean, I think the best compliment I can play him, play him really is that it felt like we had Davis back yesterday for 90 minutes. It really did. It's like the way he battled Kui Bai, the way he constantly left him for dead, the return of pace, the even the dribbling, everything. It just felt like, fucking hell, we've got this player back. Great. I just felt like a like, revolutionary moment for 45, um, six, oh, the whole game, really. He played brilliantly. I think um, one player has gone slightly under the radar, and we've sort of touched on it very briefly, is Remo Freuler, actually. Um, because he just marked Mount out the game completely. Um, he just, like the fact you didn't hear Mason Mount was because of Freuler, and uh, there were so many times like where he was just there. Like he's, I think, like the sign of a good player in that position, in that defensive midfield position, is one where you barely notice them because they just do the job, and that's what Freuler does. He's just so like you know, there's no like like jingles or bells or you know gold bits and pieces. He's just there. He's just there. He just does everything, and like. It's sort of like you know he was he ran the midfield of part of it because like he was just always preventing it. Him and Yates are forging a really really good midfield pairing now. Obviously, well two of the three anyway. Obviously the third one, 
that whether that's Nangala, whether that's Kudibai, oh, sorry, Kudibai, whether that's um, Kuyate, or whether that becomes Scarpa in a few weeks, who knows? But those two especially seem to be on a very good wavelength at the minute. Um, that said, I probably would. Obviously, we touched on Lonnie as well. Willie Bolly, I've been a big critic of him recently. He looked a different player yesterday. He looked like one that, you know, he was passing the ball out quickly. He was getting it under control. He was being a big part in building from the back, really, which is what we've all wanted to see him do. You know, I mean, I think that can go to four and a half million. I think that transferred a little bit of a snip at the minute if he keeps playing like that. Um, obviously, he has to keep playing like that first, but that was a big, huge step in the right direction. And the fact that we aren't on here saying, where about, what about McKenna? Or what about Cook? Maybe it says that you know they're doing something right. Um, obviously Gibbs White was special. I think I would give it to Taiwo though, just because you know that he was. I mean, Kui Bai for years has been seen as one of this like these star Serie A centre backs who's like you know he always looks good on European night. He always looks like he could have made a step up to the Prem because he's quite big and physical. He made him look like a fucking clogger all game. Taiwo. He made him look like some <laughs> pissed up Ryan Shawcross. And they were talking about one like like the cream of Europe over the last few years. And that's all down to how well a one he played. So, yeah, I'll give it to him. And hopefully that's he deserved the man of the match from um, Sky. He deserved it from the Forest fans. It looks like the Nigerian um, manager watched his performance yesterday as well. So hopefully, you know, he deserved that as well. Like, all, all love for Big T. Big T. We love him. Uh, finally, what about you, Lee? Yeah, Froil is an interesting one. I mean... You know how much I love uh, stats on this show. Um, four tackles and five interceptions for Froyley yesterday. Um, and, and yet still we're seeing on Twitter that some people want him to be doing more. And I think you need to understand his role. Like Christian's just said, you need to understand his role in the team. His role isn't to be sprinting around. It's to read the game. And he reads the game probably better than any player we've got, to be honest. Um, I would I would have gone for Bolly, But I just think because of the contribution... Um, he will look at that and see it as a little bit of an error, I think, for the goal. So I'm probably going to discount him for man of the match on that basis. As as it wasn't a glaring error, but I think just on the basis that it did come off him and then ricochet off the bar, um, I would go for Tyler. I think he was head and shoulders our best player, to be fair. Um, I mean, Lottie was decent as well, to be honest. Um, and Yates was very good again. So, I mean, you're asking me to pick one. I, I agreed with... Um, the decision in the stadium to be fair to give it Tyro. Yeah, I couldn't have grumbled with that. But the, the positive is, you know, you played well and you when you've got several candidates uh, for man of the match. So it was a good team performance. I mean, me personally, I'd, I would have gone for Willie Bolly, but I wouldn't have argued against Tyro. I just thought Bolly yesterday pretty much dealt with anything that come his way. I, the goal was unlucky. Um, but like you, like Christian just said with Bolly, it's just about doing it consistently you can't do it one every three games at this level it's got to be you know more times than than not so so yeah yeah um a good performance yesterday um we're going to read some slept on it thoughts then uh um start with emma bolly was outstanding today my man of the match that must be my influence on her special mention to Lottie who played well just a couple of touches let him down already deserved his goal been fantastic for us past few weeks yeah, and then she mentions uh, Thiago Silva, 38. Crazy. Got to build on this now for Saints. I think that is a very um, fair point. Uh, Robert Nettle, you're friendly. Um, if we have the belief we are we are the match for most of this league, especially at home, I did it didn't matter then, but Brennan Johnson needs to be told to check his EFL league at the door. We are a team fighting to stay up and being selfish does him no favours. 
Um, Phil, anything less than a point would have been criminal. Chelsea, the worst team to visit us. That's an interesting one. Why didn't we play 10 yards further up in the first half? Farshall goal to concede, ref appalling. No one less than a seven. Fair point. Lodi Bolly, Gibbs White, Froiler, all excellent. Tylo ran it. Tyler ran his balls off. Real handful, man of the match. And then Grant Fellows. First half plan was obviously keep it level, then get them second half. Bit frustrated as when they when they pressed them, they looked scared. I'd have given it to Ore. It was, it was defensively sound and got his level, but a few could make a case. Dan Smith, fear and too much respect will cost us this season. Play like that second half. Every game we will stay up. Uh, Lee Chilvers, first half frustrating. We need to mix up the pressing. Silver dictated Chelsea play and started every attack. Lodi and Bolly clearly don't get on. Interesting one. Lodi and Acres of space and doesn't receive the ball. I don't know whether that's Bolly passing ability really on that. Second half, Miles better point, right outcome, but win would have been nice. Um, and then last few, Carl Boo weren't aggressive enough first half, gave him too much respect. Got that about him second half, definitely should have won the game. The one you probably deserve man of the match, but also Bolly, Warrell, Ore, Yates, neither mentioned as they were fantastic. John, John Knight, a special mention to the ref, he was consistently poor. And then finally, David Bullen, Gibbs White is our best player by far. Attacking, great in transition, good vision. Falls apart without him and think it's him or Jesse and team, not both. Worrell's best game, defensively looked good. Wish Brennan would take it to the next level and make the right decisions. Thank you, as always, for sending them in and interacting with the pod. I mean, it's much appreciated by, by us all um, and it gives you a chance to vent them frustrations. So moving on then from the Chelsea game, the transfer window is now open. Um, according to the manager, it does look like we'll be active in the market. I would expect the likes of the likes of Arta, Taylor, Cafu to be moved on. I think Mbe So will probably go on loan. We could also see maybe a couple of players move out on loan, um, which leads me on to a couple of loan players already away from Forest. Josh Bowler looks like he's going back to Blackpool on loan, which I'm sure we'll all agree will be a good move for him rather than you know the odd here a few minutes there in Greece. Adam, one player is impression on loan um, is Jonathan Panzo. Now we've mentioned a centre-back with a turn of pace we'd like. Could he fill that void possibly if that was an option with a recall? I'm not sure if that is an option. Or would you let him carry on at Coventry and develop him? It's a difficult one. I have I thought he could have got an opportunity last season, particularly with our left-back problem, because I think he can play there. But obviously, Colback was doing such a good job. It was it was difficult. Panzo's having a really good season at Coventry a lot of fans are saying how, how good he's been for them obviously they play a back three which we predominantly played last season and he would have been ideal and I don't think he, he would struggle in a back two to be honest it's a really tricky one because our defence is quite inconsistent so it's whether you yeah, bring him back and obviously it, McKenna and Cook are probably ahead of him in terms of seniority so it'd be a really difficult one I think if we're going to stick with the four I think you just kind of leave him be and you probably play him next season in the championship. In the championship, to be honest, potentially, um, if we was like not within the mix, then you maybe bring him back just so you can have a look at him because you know you're going to go down, sort of thing. It's, but I think for now you just leave him be, to be honest, that Coventry and, and let him see out the season there, and then and bring him back and then maybe integrate him that way because he'll be like twenty twenty three, I think. Then it's quite quite a good age, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd let him stay at Coventry, me as well. Uh, one player it doesn't seem to be working out for, though, Christian, is Alex Martin. Um, we're going to judge this by Twitter if we're going to go by that. Um, 
doesn't seem to have impressed Wednesday fans. I have actually got a customer who's a big Wednesday fan and he does say to me he's a bit frustrating. Uh, do you see a future for him still at Forest? I mean, he's, he's only 20. Or would you be willing to make him, you know, let him move on with maybe a few clauses in there if he did go on to reach the potential he has? Ironically, I actually think he'd probably be better off now at Forest than he would at the start <laughs> of the season. Um, it's it's just because of the formation changes changed so much, isn't it? Really, I mean, like it's like you know, we think back. You know, we we said at one point we don't necessarily uh, we can't get James Garner because we've got other midfielders now. Then we switch to a four three three. We need another midfielder. Uh, it just seems now that the worry I have is that obviously this raises a bunch of questions. But the worry for me is that at this moment in time. I think that regardless of what he does on the football pitch, Brennan Johnson is currently undroppable purely because there's no one else to take his space. Mm. Like it's either you play Surridge as a wide forward, which I don't necessarily think is the best idea, or that's it. Because on the left, you've got a Wani and Dennis, and on the right, you've just got Johnson. So if we were to bring Martin back, for example, it would at least give us an option to change things. But then that raises the other question, is Martin good enough in the Premier League? And the reason why we sent him out on loan was because he needs to hone out his mistakes. So we, we, we are in somewhat of an awkward position there. I think that, um, you know, it's a bit weird because he went to Wednesday who played a similar formation that we did last season, which you know, we all felt it didn't necessarily suit Martin's game more. He's more of a winger than a, like a wide forward sort of thing. So I don't know. Um I think we could do worse than maybe finding him another club to go on loan to, one that does play with wingers, because I think Mighton at his best is, you know, one on one with the fullback taking him on, because he's always brave enough to do that. He never shies away from that. And more often than not, he's successful. The issue with Mighton has been what he does once he beats the man, because his final ball, as we saw last season, could be one thing. Obviously, for every time there was against uh, Bristol City or Barnsley, I think it was Barnsley, wasn't it, where he skimmed his man and put it across the grab yeah. at the end. Yeah, it was. Um, there was so many countless other occasions where he's just like pushed off the ball or whether his final ball's just gone behind someone or anything like that. It's the whole reason why he went out on loan, sort of make those mistakes and learn from it. Is the Premier League a good learning ground for that? Probably not. Is it oh, when Forest win a relegation battle? Is it a good idea to be trying something like that? Probably not. So I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it's good to have the option because I think that, you know, it would be nice. On the other hand, I think he's better suited staying out of another club for now. Maybe we reassess in the summer, regardless of what league we're in. If we are to go down, though, him coming back will be definitely seen as a good thing. But hopefully, it's come to that. So we hope not. Um, finally, Lee, um, on the transfer window as a whole, I'm going to give you the baton on this one. So, where would you look to improve in this window, if at all? You might not want to sign anybody. I'm sure you do. And also, is there anyone you'd like to see move on who I haven't mentioned? Um, the bomb squad as it's been called at Forest for a few years. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I think uh, every team always wants new players, don't they? I mean, that sounds crazy when you think six months ago we signed twenty three. But yeah, I think um, in our in our situation we will sign one or two. Um, I think he might look for a centre midfielder, maybe someone who fits the profile of Kriate while he's out. Um, I think it's no secret he'd love a centre back with a bit of pace. Um, wouldn't we all? Um, but yeah, it's, it's January transfer window is always very tricky to um, to sign in because the players that you're typically going to sign aren't playing for the current club, so mm. um, it, it is a difficult one. Um, 
in terms of people going out, I think I wouldn't be. It's one of them. I, I know that there's a big clamour for Sam Surridge to play more often, but ultimately, Tywo's offering more. I guess uh, Surridge, when he comes on, he puts himself about, and you know he is a good player. We know he can be a good player, but is it is it beneficial for us to have him playing ten minutes here and there? Um, he's I think he's only twenty three. So I mean, if if a loan opportunity arose, I wouldn't be. With us having Dennis as well, who's barely getting a kick, I don't think it's. I think it's counterproductive having two players like that not playing football at all. So, um, yeah, I, I think one of those two will possibly leave. Um, if it was to be Surridge, then I'd hope it would only be on loan because obviously, if we go down, he's going to yeah, be a, no, a class uh, player to have. Um, other than the obvious, I think that's probably about it. I think. Um, yeah, Cafu and Taylor aren't in the twenty-five. So I think if um, opportunities, I don't think I think Cafu is kind of a a good character to have. Um, Lyle Taylor comes across as similar, to be fair. So I don't think if if they don't get opportunities to leave, I don't think it's a, a major problem. But I think given the wage situation, I think uh, we will try and move them both on if we can. And obviously, Ariata, well, <laughs> good luck with that. His last game was against Ollerton Town in the Notts Cup, so. <laughs> Who's going to look at that and take a chance on him? I yeah. think we stuck with him until his contract's up, to be fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, if it wasn't for injuries, I do think we might have uh, sent Dennis out on loan because I do like Dennis and I would, at some point, like to get him to see a run in a team, but he's just I just don't think he's a Cooper player at all. I don't, whatever league win, I don't think he'll be here next season, personally, um, but we'll see with that. Um, coming on to the final part of the pod now, and we've got a quick turnaround, so there's not going to be a Southampton preview um, because we're, we're only playing in two days' time. Um, so we'll do a quick preview of the game now in what is the first meeting between us of the season, yet to play each other this season. Our last visit to Southampton was in 2011, in which Ricky Lambert's hat-trick saw us beaten by three goals to two. Any idea who scored for us that day, guys? Matt Derbyshire. Correct. It's yeah. Mel Miller. No. No. Um, this one's a more liked by the Forest fans, this player. There's, there's not that many then to choose from, is there? <laughs> yeah, I've known it down. The Jamal Abdoon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I said liked. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, was it maybe Moosey? Did he score that day? No, Majeski got the other one. Already. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't remember Ricky Lambert scoring that trick past us, but. Anyway, we've not actually visited St Mary's in the Premier League, which is um, a bit mental. The last visit was in 1998, which was at the Dell, obviously Southampton's old ground. We ran out 2-1 winners thanks to goals from Steve Stone and John Claude Darshville. Blast from the past there. Um, start with you then, Adam. Nathan Jones has took the Saints' reins, as we all know from Luton. We all know about him. Um, he's yet to get off the mark in the league, but Southampton have scored in every game so far. So four out of four in all competitions. Uh, they have actually won against Lincoln in the court, but you know that's not much of a thing to boast about. There is already a few Saints fans who feel that Jones is at his depth. I mean, I did say that. I think we all said that um, when he joined. I agree with that sentiment. Pers- personally, I-, I just saw him as a great fit for Luton in the Championship. There is them type of managers. I mean, he went to Stoke, and that was an absolute car crash. But then again who hasn't been to Stoke and it's been a disaster. Um, <laughs> obviously, the Premier League's a different kettle of fish. I mean, do you agree with that personally or do you worry it will be typical Forrest of old and will give him his first win? 
I mean, it would be very Forest to give him his first win because Christian mentioned this that it'll be his first win against Forest. Forest of old, not under and, Cooper. Yeah, I mean, and Nathan Jones seems to get under our skin a little bit um, when he's been when he was Luton manager. I think it's a strange move by Southampton into it. Just almost looks like they're planning to get relegated by hiring a Championship manager who's had no experience in the Premier League. I know Cooper's not had any experience, but he got promoted to it to the league at least. Do you know what I mean? It's been some success. Not that Nathan Jones hasn't had it because he got him up from League Two and League One, I believe. So, and he's took a, a team like Luton as as quite high as the playoffs in the Championship, which is no mean feat. I think with it being an absolutely massive rival game as Sarcastic Forest started at the start of the season because there was no one to to hate other than, than Leicester, but that is that would be no fun, would it? So it's it's going to be a tough game, I think, against Southampton. We can't afford to give cheap fouls because when you've got someone like James Ward-Prowse standing over the ball, then anything's possible with them as he's only three goals now, direct three kicks behind the, the great David Beckham. So... Oh, you're really next point. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. It's no, gonna it's be right. it's, Carry on. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough game. I mean, they've got a lot of players who are inexperienced in the league as 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 we have, but it's it, it's a massive six pointer, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive game. Uh, going back to last season, I'm still kind of glad we avoided Luton in the playoffs. I thought we was a lot better side than Luton, but a bit similar to Blackpool, it's kind of as if they kind of had his number and would like oh, just make it so. Oh, what I mean, that game at Kenilworth Road when they won 1-0 was just oh, scandalous, really. Um, but there, like I said before, there is several ways to skin a cat and win games of football, which is what worked for Jones at Luton. Um, so coming on to you then, Christian, a lot along with Ilkeston legend, of course, Che Adams, Southampton's main threat is that of James Ward-Prowse and his free-kick-taking ability. I mean, as Adams just said, only David Beckham has now scored three more free kicks in the Premier League history. So that is some company. Um, fair to say that is something, as Adam's just said as well, we need to avoid is giving cheap free kicks away in shooting distance because he is sensational. Um, do, you, do you feel Ward Price would go on to a bigger club as such? Or I'm not, this will sound harsh, I would it, or is he a bit of just a free kick merchant? And that's why he gets kind of more press than others because there was a, a lot of clamour wanting it once for him to play for England because of the free kicks, really. Uh, no, I think he wouldn't have played as many times as he has done for England without, I think, if he was just a set piece merchant. Mm. Um, I think, to be honest, he <laughs> reeks of a Spurs signing, to be honest. <laughs> I think he wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, yeah, he's played 11 times for England. So I don't think he'd have done that. Mm. I mean, maybe once or twice, if you're a set-piece specialist, you play yeah. that many times. But to get double figures does it for England, playing for you know a less than glamorous club in the grand scheme of things. And South, I don't I mean, any disrespect to Southampton. I mean, you know, we think of the pool that Southgate normally like like chooses from. It's more often not teams at the top end of the table. Like, I mean, Greenwich is a prime example of that. Greenwich, when he was running the league down the left wing for Villa, could barely get a look in. Yeah, because exactly. he goes on City's bench, and suddenly he's playing like. Mm more frequently. So I think that goes against War Prowse playing for a team like Southampton in the grand like scale of things. But so to play eleven times for England despite that says a lot about his ability and quality. I think that said he is the only player of any genuine quality in that Southampton team, which is a huge concern for me because they are shit. They are really, really bad. And they are one of the few teams I will look at in the league and think, yeah, they're worse than us. At the mm. minute it's just Emmons, I think Bournemouth. 
Um, I'm yet to see a third one, which is a bit of a worry, but I think we're getting to a point where that could happen sooner rather than later. But Saints are definitely one. They've signed a complete death wish by hiring Nathan Jones. It was <laughs> like him going to Stoke just highlighted how you know, we get it with certain managers fit certain clubs, don't they? Him and Luton mm. were a hand in glove fit. He showed yeah, that twice. You know, the way they stayed up um, in the like the lockdown era was, you know, that was revolutionary. Fair play to him. That was an incredible achievement. He wouldn't have done that of any other club. He wouldn't, any other club that has genuine ambitions to push forward and be beyond horrible, ugly, thuggish, you know, scratch, that sort of team. Anything that has any FRS springs belong that, he, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's good enough to do it. And, um, you know, he's already out of his depth. He's already got bloody, like, football agents, like, uh, reporters sort of saying that, like, you know, he's apparently already lost the dressing room. Saying that he wants to play three at the back, and then all the centre backs are like, "You taking the piss? We're not doing that." So I mean, <laughs> it looked like that. It looked to be honest, it looked like a rotten dressing room anyway. Going by the things that were coming out about Harson Hootel, and um, yeah. I don't know if any of you read that athletic expose, but it was it, it didn't paint a particularly good impression of that dressing room. Put it that way, they came out looking a much worse than Harson Hootel did, and um, like they get annoyed, for example, that he would come out and like clap the fans after a win, stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't. It doesn't sound very, like very strange. Yeah, very, very strange. And, um, you know, if they've already turned against him already, he's fucked. I mean, I think they probably looked at him coming in and think we're down. And, you know, this is basically just the Ward Prowse swan song for the rest of the season before he goes on to a top six club. But that makes it worse because I can see exactly what's going to happen. I can see Charity FC bowling the town into Hampshire, give Jones his first win with chance for Forest to go five points clear at bottom of the league and make it, you know, and we go beneath them. I can entirely see it. Um, yeah, that is my worry for me. Obviously, I've digressed slightly. Adam was spot on. We can't give away stupid free kicks because they have very little threat. But if you give War Prowse a ball 25 to 30 yards outside a goal, it becomes a penalty. Mm. So we've we've got to be wary of that. You just know if it was to beat us as well, it would be like a scrappy 1-0, wouldn't yeah. it? As it, it was a Kenilworth throw. Yeah. That, you know, that penalty, it was a penalty, wasn't it? Which was dubious, I think, to say. Yeah, and obviously we had that disallowed goal. Yeah, full spans, yeah. Goal. yeah. Yeah, so... Right, just to wrap up it, then up then for Southampton, Lee, a win would take them off the bottom and above us. A win for us would surely take us out of the relegation zone for the first time in a very long time, it feels. I know West Ham played Leeds in this round of fixtures as well. They're both down there. Um, I think we all expect West Ham to pull away, but at the minute they are struggling. So that's a big game as well. Southampton haven't won at home since August in the league, and that was a solo win at home, and that actually come against Chelsea, amazingly. How big a game is this for both sides? And also, just to add, we will have a new signing available in Gustavo Scarpa, of course. Do you expect him to be involved? Uh, well, it's a massive game. I think it goes without saying that it's a massive game. I think with how tight it is, um, we can't really go into that game We've got to we've got to kind of produce the second half performance from yesterday, haven't we? And I think if we do that, we're more than capable of of going there and winning. What we can't do is my one worry in my well, there's two worries. One, Nathan Jones, annoying, weird little bloke. Um, I don't know. Has Chris Cowan ever been part of a team that's played Forest and not got some sort of result? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I just they've had a number a little bit. Um, those pair. Um, so that's one worry. The other worry is the last time we played a game that was a little bit like this was the Leicester game. I get that Leicester have got far more quality than Southampton, but if we turn up with the same sort of application in Wednesday's game, then, uh, well, we, we might be fucked again. So, um, yeah, it's a huge game. 
Um, as for Scarpa, I think due to Lingard's injury, I think he might be involved, but I think he will be uh, for a place on the bench. Um, I think Cooper's spoken about he's on a, an individual training programme that's different to the others at the minute, so that might have an impact on whether he, he can start. Um, but yeah, I think um, you look at our bench at the minute and it is pretty, you're wondering who's going to come on and kind of make a difference. So I think, yeah, you'll probably be one of the nine substitutes, I would imagine. Right, and finally, to round things off for the trip to the South Coast, we're going to have predictions. So, start with you, Adam. Prediction for Southampton away. Well, Steve Cooper said in his post-match that he's uh, tackling the away form head-on. Uh, so, I expect a reaction, uh, especially after the yesterday's second-half performance. And I think we're going to go there and hopefully give it a good go and, and be on the front foot. And I'm going to go for a scrappy, horrible, hook-and-crook 2-1 win. We'll take that, Christian. If we play like we did second half, <clears throat> we'll be outside by half time. Mm, if we do the usual Forest thing of becoming everyone's favourite club, everyone's favourite Santa Claus, which is more likely, then I don't even want to fucking say it. But um, <laughs> I reckon we need to get something from that game. We really oh, need to get something from that game. Um, I'll be bold and say 1-0 Forest. Okay. Yeah, I always love Paul Hawks. Ben Tortor always says about Tottenham, until he? he always calls him Dr. Tottenham. So when like <laughs> someone needs a result, he's like, and the, the next game's Tottenham, he's like, Dr. Tottenham, we'll see you now. And basically <laughs> give, him a, give him a result um, as kind of Villa got yesterday. Uh, what about you, Lee? It's difficult. It's, I, I, don't, I don't feel brave enough to predict us to win away. Um, that's, that's my worries a goal, I think, a goal sorry, away would be nice I think it'll be a draw I actually do think it'll be a draw and I think um, not that I expect that we'll go there and play for a draw but I think with them being bottom and us not being I think Cooper will never say it but I think it's mightily important that we don't lose there um, so I think it'll be scrappy um, I don't envy you guys going because I think it could it has the potential to be a minging game of football it really does Um I will go with a one-one draw. Yeah, as as I said, like your question, Lee, it's a it's a massive game. I mean, you could probably argue it might be the biggest game of the season so far. Um, but I am going to be positive. You got to try and stay positive, aren't you, when you're making the trip as well? And say we finally break our way up with a two-one win. I mean, a goal would be nice. As I just said, we haven't scored since August away in the league. Um, Scarp a winner. Let's go. Yeah, and anybody, anybody, I don't care. Um, as we just said, then the bare minimum has to be avoiding the feet. We cannot go there and get beat. That would be worrying. And you know that, like we said earlier, um, that'd take them above us, which would be, with them being so poor recently, be a bit of a kick up the in the backside for us. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can go there and get a win, but the bare minimum, as I just said, a, a draw. Um, anyway, that's it for this episode. We will be back after the Southampton game talking about the events at St Mary's, plus a bit of a chat about our FA Cup trip to Blackpool. Um, so until then, for those making this trip to Southampton, as me, Adam and Christian are, a very safe one. Um, Adam's coming with me, so I'll be in his care. <laughs> well, he'll be in my care, should I say. Uh, we'll see you there. And until next time, it's goodbye and come on, you Reds. Take care. Thank you. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that 
a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter, you know, use the Forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.